Blog Talk Radio. to episode three of the REPA Radio Hour. This is a repeat of last week, uh, which we had technical difficulties, and so we're trying it again today. The Eastern Airlines Radio Show presents Eastern history, stories, and memories by the pilots who flew the planes of Pitcairn Aviation, Eastern Air Transport, and Eastern Airlines. We're fortunate to have at our disposal over 40 years of history as told by the pilots of this great airline. Your producer and Admiral John Engel edited a book titled The Best of Repartee, after 35 years of magazines had been published and distributed to REPA members, affiliates, and spouses of those that had passed away. The magazine was a standard, which other pilot retiree associations strive to equal. Although repartee is no longer published in magazine format, editor Jim Holder is now working on a smaller version, just called a newsletter. We're hoping to continue broadcasting great articles as they become available by the Eastern family of employees. Now let's get the show started. Tower Blur is 650 volt, fifty volt, fifty two seven left, little land, two three zero Check the set. Flap lever. You're in one of Easton's whisper jets. The noisiest section is the pilot's compartment. We keep the door closed. In the cabin, it's quiet. The jets and the noise are behind you. Whisper Jet climbs to smooth cruising altitude faster than any other jet airliner. It's the most relaxing plane there is. Fly Eastern. See how much better an airline can be.
stories range from the sounds you just heard, or better stated, from the male wings, the radial engines, to the huge Lockheed L-1011 TriStar, also known as the Whisper Liner. As with all our radio broadcasts, here is an Eastern advertisement, which we just did, but we're going to move right along here into our program. As we like to tell all of our first-time listeners, you can listen in with your smartphone or go to our radio show provider at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie at 3 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time and click the start arrow. Remember, it must be at 3 p.m. or you'll be given the message that the show has not yet begun. Many just call in to, to the show at uh, 213-816-1611 on their smartphone. And now you can listen to you can listen or you can choose to talk with your host, especially on Monday nights when we do a talk version of our show. Last week in episode one, we read stories from the early newsletters about the formation and beginning of uh, REPA, the Retired Eastern Pilots Association, back in the early 70s. With each newsletter came new ideas for the editor, Captain Lee Hines, to begin with. So we start today's show with one of those letters. Short articles started to appear in the newsletter and eventually repartee the magazine at the very beginning and the uh, articles, the short articles, were in the form of letters to the editor. And so I'd like to read one now in the 1973 issue of the newsletter. And it's from Charles Milvale. Speaking of numbers, it is always good to have plenty of friends at hand for moral and physical strength, especially if one is on a golf course. If our good friend Larry Hamilton had had a few more friends along when he was playing golf in San Juan, he may have been spared the agony of being threatened by a madman with a vicious knife. And I understand that it happened on a fairway in the open. It certainly was a good thing that Larry was not in the rough. But knowing Larry, he is, of course, never in the rough since his golf is sensibly conservative and being in the rough is not one of his faults. So it may have saved his life. So that would be a lesson to all of us for another reason, since even our life may be at stake. So I would suggest that all golfers substitute our 14th club for a double-edged sword brightly polished that could and by necessity be used as a possible lifesaver when playing golf in this day and point of time. Oh, we'll hear more letters like that from the pilots that flew the male wings back in the day and all the way up uh, into the jet age. Rules to abide by were sent to the eastern pilots by the operations manager at the time back in the 30s. Let's listen to what was sent as reminders and duties of the pilots. In the 1975 issue of Repartee, the title of several bulletins appearing is Looking Back, 
do you remember? The first bulletin reads, Eastern Air Transport Incorporated, Division of North American Aviation, and subtitle, Operations Department, Service Bulletin Number 26, October 15, 1931. And it goes to say, Baggage Responsibility. On ships carrying co-pilots, the co-pilot will be held responsible for the checking of all baggage on and off the planes. The back of form EAT number 27 will be used temporarily. On ships not carrying co-pilots, the pilot will check the passenger's baggage on and off and make a report on the back of form EAT number 27. They will also inquire prior to the time the ship leaves if a passenger has all his luggage, baggage, and has it properly tagged. Signed, C.H. Dolan, Operations Manager. Now, service bulletin number 41 reads, dated October 15, 1931, and its subjects is the pilot expenses. Due to misunderstanding regarding pilots' expenses while away from their home, the company in the very near future is engaging hotel rooms at various stops and on and after certain date at which time the interested pilots will be notified. Their expense advance will be discontinued. This is not being done to work a hardship on the pilots, but it is a measure of economy on the part of the company. Your corporation is urgently requested in seeing that these rooms are maintained in first-class condition. Any claims put in by the hotels for breakage or losses will be assessed equally among the pilots using these facilities, unless the party responsible assumes this responsibility in writing. You are expected to conduct yourselves as gentlemen at all times and be a credit to the company, so please endeavor to treat these rooms as you would your own home. Again, signed by C.H. Dolan, Operations Manager. Now, the next service bulletin is dated January 20th, 1932, and it's service bulletin number 52. Subject, blind flying between Washington and Newark. There will be no blind flying in condors between Washington and Newark due to heavy traffic in this area until such time as our radio and communication system has reached a higher state of reliability. Over-the-top flying is all right with a good radio and clear fields ahead. C.H. Dolan, Operations Manager. Service Bulletin number 53, dated January 20, 1932, reads, Subject, Seatbelts, Pilots and Co-Pilots. All pilots and co-pilots will wear their seatbelts at all times when flying ships. C.H. Dolan. Operations Manager. Service Bulletin Number 54, January 20th, 1932. Subject, Passenger Pilots Leaving and Approaching Fields. 
passenger pilots are getting lax once again in their methods of leaving and approaching fields. We have come, uh, co continually warned pilots about essing and side-slipping and banking at 45 degrees and 90 degrees on their turns and rushing into a field and then remaining on the field for 15 minutes because they are ahead of schedule. This is lack of thought and must be corrected. Signed, C.H. Dolan, Operations Manager. Now, that was what uh, the uh, newsletter Operations Manager was sending out back in the day. That was what young people thought about being an airline pilot is another humor uh, article that was in one of the newsletters. And uh, I think you might uh, enjoy this as to what young people think of the airline pilot. Now, here's a great article in the 1975 issue of Repartee, Why I Want to Be an Airline Pilot. I want to be an airline pilot when I grow up because it's a fun job and easy to do. That's why there are so many pilots flying around today. Pilots don't need much school. They just have to learn to read numbers so they can read instruments. I guess they should be able to read road maps so they can find their way if they get lost. Pilots should be brave so they won't be scared if it's foggy and they can't see, or if a wing or a motor falls off, they should stay calm. Pilots have to have good eyes to see through clouds, and they can't be afraid of lightning or thunder because they're closer to them than we are. The salary pilots make is another thing I like. They make more money than they can spend. This is because most people think plane flying is dangerous, except pilots don't because they know how easy it is. There isn't much I don't like it except that girls like pilots and all the stewardesses want to marry pilots, so they always have to chase them away so they don't bother them. I hope I don't get airsick because I get car sick, and if I get airsick, I couldn't be a pilot, and then I'd have to go to work. This is by an unknown pre-teenager. <laughs> Guys, do you agree with that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, now here's a real airline pilot, the one I have next. So let's listen to this. Is it our home? All right. If I, if, if, if I join you, I, I just dropped in for a little drink to settle my nerves before I go to work. Word. <laughs> what, what, what sort of work do you do? I'm an airline pilot. Well, how did how did you get to be an airline pilot? I used I used to be a bus. I used to be a bus driver, but I I quit. Too too many too many drunks on the road. What do you fly? Oh, it's one of those big, big gray, gray metal things with what's it called sticking out on the side. Wings? Are oh, you an airline pilot? No, I'm, I 
I've been pretty high in my time. Did you ever have any close calls as a pilot? Oh, yes, sir, sir, especially since they moved the men's room to the back of the plane. <laughs> I was on a, a flight from New York to L.A. a couple weeks ago, and the plane lost an engine. Oh, don't worry, it'll turn up. <laughs> you know... There's a lot, lot of pre pressure being pilots flying way out there and high in the air and off above all those white fl fluffy things. Clouds? You sure you're not a pilot? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, classic with Dean Martin and Foster Brooks. Yep. Well, the humor is uh, in the repartee magazines uh, all through the many years uh, that it was printed and uh, the editor uses a mixture of humor poetry and letters to make for an interesting read here's one a poet a poem rather that uh, was in the early issue i think it's in 1975 let's listen to this one Here's a poem from the 1975 issue of Repartee. The title, Pilot Bails Out. We saw a plane go flying by, trailing thunder through the sky. Swifter, stronger, higher, higher. A miracle of man's desire. To match his strength against the gods, while oversoaring awesome odds, to win his freedom from the clods, the plane seemed like a living thing, with motored heart and metal wing, with instruments of true device, to serve as nerves and ears and eyes. We might have thought, had we not known, that by some inner power alone, this man-made eagle could have flown. But there's a brain behind the hand that guides the plane above the land, a pilot's soul behind the brain that drives the plane through death and pain to some far vision splendid goal four things that make the perfect whole plane hand brain and pilot soul the hand is flesh and the flesh is frail the throbbing motored heart might fail the plane might falter down the sky the anguished human brain might die, but this we know, we dare not doubt. With one triumphant, deathless shout, the valiant pilot soul bails out. <laughs> Again, we read what was considered on a serious note, but what many of us today would consider humor I think you'll enjoy the next one, which is uh, pretty much a military a direction, operations directions to their pilots. Let's take a listen to this one. Now, here's an article that's classified in the trivia department in the 1975 issue of Repartee. The 1919 U.S. Army Air Service Flying Regulations. Number one. Don't take the machine into the air unless you are satisfied it will fly. Two, never leave the ground with the motor leaking. Three, in taking off, look at the ground and the air. 
Four, pilots should carry hankies in a handy position to wipe off goggles. Five, riding on the steps, wings, or tail of a machine is prohibited. Six, do not trust altitude instruments. Seven, if you see another machine near you, get out of the way. Eight, hedge hopping will not be tolerated. Nine, if flying against the wind and you wish to turn and fly with the wind, don't make the sharp turn near the ground. You might crash. Ten, aviators will not wear spurs while flying. Eleven, you must not take off or land closer than 50 feet to the hangar. Twelve, it is advisable to carry a good pair of cutting pliers in a position where both pilot and passenger can reach them in case of an accident. Thirteen, joy white rides will not be given to civilians. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I, I agree with all of those. <laughs> you shouldn't <laughs> land, what, within 50 feet of the hangar unless the hangar doors are open. <laughs> I thought it was no drinking within 50 feet. Oh, okay. You know, way back in the early days of aviation, which many of our eastern pilots were truly pioneers, the entertainment world was mostly radio or theater. And in those days, the eastern family listened to shows such as the one that you'll hear in just a second, mainly because it was about aviation. And did you listen to this one? Presenting Hop Harrigan, America's ace of the airways. The X-4 calling control towers. The X-4 calling control towers. Standing by. Control tower back to CX-4. Wind southeast. Sailing. Okay, this is Hop Harrigan coming in. You know, back in in the uh, early 80s, uh, I was flying as captain in Atlanta, and I had heard for the first time, I don't remember them as a child listening to Hop Harrigan, but it must have been uh, on one of the radio stations in Atlanta that I heard a, a, a series uh, serial, I guess they're called, of Hop Harrigan, and I was so impressed with that that I looked it up and and uh, heard some additional series of Hop Harrigan. As a matter of fact, we did that when we did the Thursday shows on old time radio. You remember that, Don? Yeah. Yes, I do. And Dorothy, yes, do. yeah, yes. they were fun to do. They really were. And uh, but at any rate, I. Uh, I was taking off or landing. I think I was coming in from L.A. one night or one morning, early morning. I had the red-eye special back to Atlanta, and um, the tower had cleared us straight in uh, on nine left or right. And I acknowledged the co-pilot, I guess, was landing, and I said, Roger, we're coming in. (laughs) And the tower (laughs) apparently knew that series, Hop Harrigan, and he says, is that you, Hop? <laughs> and from then on, I, I did that same, same phraseology, 
Roger, <laughs> we're coming in <laughs> daringly. <laughs> Yeah. That's right. Now here, as as filler material, the editors of Repartee often look for funny copy that relates to the newsletter, and we found this one, which has been around for quite some time, and I'm sure uh, you guys have heard this, but I'm going to play it anyhow in the 1975 issue of the newsletter, and this is uh, that article that was written and sent in to the editor. The REPA Newsletter 1976. Instrument flight is for the birds, or how to duck the high cost of instruments. The basic rules for the cat and duck method of flight under the hood are fairly known and are, of course, extremely simple. 1. Place a live cat on the cockpit floor. Because a cat always remains upright, he or she can be used in lieu of a needle and ball. Merely watch to see which way the cat leans to determine if a wing is low, and if so, which one. 2. The duck is used for the instrument approach and landing, because of the fact that any sensible duck will refuse to fly under instrument conditions, it is only necessary to hurl your duck out of the plane and follow her to the ground. There are some limitations to the cat and duck method, but by rigidly adhering to the following checklist, a degree of success will be achieved, which will surely startle you, your passengers, and maybe even an itinerant tower operator. Checklist for cat and duck method. One, get a wide awake cat. Most cats do not want to stand up at all at any time. It may be necessary to get a large, fierce dog to carry in the cockpit to keep the cat at attention. <laughs> Two, make sure your cat is clean. Dirty cats will spend all their time washing. Trying to follow a washing cat usually results in a tight snap roll followed by an inverted spin or a flat spin. You can see this is very unsanitary. Three, old cats are best. Young cats have nine lives, but an old cat is used up with only one left, has just as much to lose as you do, and will be more dependable. Four, avoid stray cats. Try to get one with a good pedigree. Your veterinarian can help you locate a cat with a good character or try any good breeding farm or, if in the city, Try a reputable cat house. Five, beware of cowardly ducks. If the duck discovers that you are using the cat to stay upright, she will refuse to leave without the cat. Ducks are no better on instruments than you are. Six, be sure the duck has good eyesight. Eyesight. Nearsighted ducks sometimes fail to realize they are on the gauges and will go flogging off into the nearest hill. Very nearsighted ducks will not realize they have been thrown out and will descend to the ground in a sitting position. This maneuver is quite difficult to follow in an airplane. 7. Use land-loving ducks. It is very discouraging to break out and find yourself on final for a rice paddy, particularly if there are duck hunters around. Duck hunters 
suffer from temporary insanity when they are sitting in freezing weather in their blinds and will shoot at anything that flies. Number eight, choose your duck carefully. Many water birds look very much alike, and if you are not careful, you may get confused between ducks and geese. Geese are very competitive instrument flyers, but are very seldom interested in going the way you want to go. If your duck heads off for Canada or Mexico, then you may be sure you have been given a goose. This was written anonymously, submitted. Well, that's our Reaper program for today, except for what follows. I hope you will stick around with some Reaper chat, and I see we have uh, Dorothy and Don Gagnon on the air with us today, and and uh, Mike Scott up in uh, New York area. And thanks for listening in, guys. Appreciate it. So what do you think so far, episode two? I love hearing it. I don't know about anyone else. Hey, I I got the, if, you, if, if you have the book, you can you can follow along with it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, I don't know where you can get those books uh, because I think the rest of them that were uh, published are, are in my library. I kept box out for myself. But um, yeah, it's um, there's some great stories in there, and so we'll be hearing those from week to week. And um, I hope uh, our listeners will come in and and uh, listen with us and enjoy it. And we'll have a little conversation at the uh, end of each one. But um, I had some great writers back in the day. As a matter of fact, some of the editors really could write great stories. And the ones that I really liked was Gene Ramsey, who was the editor, I think, from probably the uh, late 70s. Up until the time Bill Malone, Captain Bill Malone, took over, and Bill was the editor for 15 years of the Retired Eastern Pilots Association magazine that was published three times a year, uh, repartee. And uh, he did a lot of changes, uh, Bill did, but the main thing that I enjoyed about him being the editor is that every issue that came out, there was a Bill Malone story. And he was a prolific writer. He did some great work. And I've uh, done several shows on just the writings of Bill Malone. And uh, But uh, we'll be touching on those as we go by. And um, the editor now is Jim Holder. And like I said, he's uh, starting a newsletter. And oh, by the way, I don't know whether you, Don or Dor- Dorothy uh, or Mike, do you you know you're going to get them because you're members of REPA, so right. the newsletters That's you'll good, be yeah. getting that. Yeah. Right. Yep. And, and he told me that they have been printed. They have been sent to Jerry Frost, who is a treasurer treasurer of uh, REPA, and uh, he's going to hold them until such time as things kind of flatten out, as they say. They use the word flatten out uh, often in the media about the coronavirus uh, instead of sending them out right now. So he's going to hold them, and uh, Jim will tell us about that uh, when he's on the show Monday night, I guess, about when uh, they'll be sent out. But um, right. looking forward to getting getting a copy of it. 
think he said about yes. April. Well, I want to make sure that uh, that people are able to do so without worrying about other things. That's the thing. Uh, yeah. Although uh, whatever Jim has in there will at least give everybody a little pick-me-up, so to speak, um, you know, from the the norm of what we have recently that we're all dealing with. So might not be a bad idea to get him out. Uh, whenever they can. Of course, people, the other thing, too, is people are wiping all their mail down. It would be something they would have to contend with that, and we don't know how they're shipping them. Uh, yeah. Uh, Reap ahead, I think, <coughs> plastic around them, didn't they, Don, before? Yeah, they had plastic around it, oh, yeah. Yes. But this is a smaller, uh, right. it's just uh, 16 pages, I think, somewhere around there, yeah. whatever the <laughs> signatures are. Right. That I had uh, I had an interesting call yesterday. Um, got a call from my brother's best friend, and, uh, and we call him Beer Dave because he drinks so much beer. Uh, when every time we go out fishing, and uh, my little brother, of course, uh, drinks. Neil? Huh? Is that the one we met at the? Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the one. So Beer, Beer Dave called me yesterday morning, and he said, hey, Neil, he said, um, Penny, that's his wife, was at Publix uh, down where they live in a place called Vidra, something like that. It's uh, halfway between Melbourne, I think, and, and uh, Vero Beach. And she saw, she saw this guy wearing an Eastern Airlines uh, ball cap, baseball cap, had a round Eastern Airlines, E-A-R-A or whatever it says, Eastern. And so she goes over and she said, uh, I see you worked for Eastern, I guess, because of your hat. And he said, yeah. He said, I was with him to the end. And she said, well, do you know uh, a captain? Uh, and she didn't know what department he worked in. But did you know a captain, Neil Holland? He said, no, I can't recall that name. <laughs> but um, he said, I was in maintenance. I was a ma maintenance instructor. So <clears throat> she got his number and said that uh, Captain Holland would call him. And he said, well, he'd look forward to that. So he called me and gave me his phone number. And yesterday afternoon, sitting outside, of course, we have no place to go uh, except our back porch where we watch turkeys and uh, ducks and uh Ospreys dive for fish in our little pond in our backyard, and I, I gave him a call. Well, Pam came online, and it sounded like Joe, who I was supposed to talk, Joe McCracken. I don't know if you know that guy or not, uh, Mike. He's no, a mechanic, mechanic instructor for Eastern. So here's the story, and I told her I thought it was so good, I wanted her to write it up so we could put it on the air, and better yet, if she would call and, and tell the story. But I'm going to oh, see if yeah. I can paraphrase it by memory. But she uh, was working for Eastern in the payload department. Well, I didn't even know they had a payload department with Eastern. But I said, now, what do you mean? Were you working the weight and balance? She said, no, no, no. She said, we figured out uh, how many people the airplane would be oversold by. 
how many people we could put and oversell, thinking that people wouldn't show up and we would have the oversales to put right. on the airplane. I said, that's very interesting. I didn't know yeah. that. So, yeah. Don, you know about that. And so I she said, yeah. She said, yep. she said, I got bored doing that. And they had an opening up for a an assistant mechanic. And so she <laughs> applied for it. And sure enough, the building over at Building 11, I think, or where, wherever it was, they uh, took a class full of these people from different departments and, and were training them how to do D-checks. Now, Mike, you know what a D-check is. Don, you do too. Yep. That's where you completely yeah. tear the airplane down and put it together again. Pretty That's much right. so. So at any rate, they wanted these uh, people like Pam to screw all the inspection plates on the floor of the L-1011, unscrew them, lay them open so that the inspector could look down and inspect what they were supposed to be looking for. And then after it was approved uh, you know, by the inspector, then they were to screw it back down. So and she had been working this job for several days on this D-check on that airplane and another one I think they had out of service. And she, she her hands were sore at the end of the night of the, of the day. <laughs> but at any rate, the the, uh, the strike came about, and of course maintenance walked out, and uh, you know the rest of the story as far as Eastern. And so they told them that they were shutting the maintenance down, and everything would be uh, shut down on on the, the next day. So she came down the stairway of the uh, the ladder, I guess, off the 1011, and this guy was standing at the bottom. And she looked at him, and she knew that he was the instructor that had told them what they would be doing, what their assignment was, and how to do it right. And she looked at him, and she says, Thank God. I'm so tired of screwing. <laughs> 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 well, she knew right away <laughs> that he liked what she had said, and they got married shortly after that. Oh, that is <laughs> and, right. And his comment was that when they got married and they kissed the bride, you know, he looked at her and he said, you know, that's the first time I've ever kissed a mechanic. <laughs> and I told her, I, I said, you got to write yeah. that story and send it to me. I'll see if I can get it in the rep newsletter, Reaper's newsletter. <laughs> oh, that's really that, cute. That was yeah, probably, that was something. Probably that, what, uh, The Mike? maintenance no, program, they had the maintenance, uh, the apprentice program for quite a while down there. The ones yeah. that wanted to come from different departments and become yeah. a licensed mechanic. And that uh -huh. was probably, of course, the end of it at that time. But that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> she, I said, how long have you been married? And she said, we've been married 16 years. Oh, and wow. uh, so we talked for about a half hour, and she told that story. And I asked her, I said, you know, that was good. Can you can you put that in a, a in a script, I mean, a writing, and send it to me so I can uh, – we can put it on the website too, Dorothy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she I said, yeah, I'll that. do that. And I, I told her, I said, better yet, why don't you come on the air and tell the story? We'd love to have it. Yeah. And um, so I told her it was uh, getting late, and I had to get my wife's dinner, and uh, that I'll <laughs> talk to Joe the next time I call. But you didn't know Joe McCracken, did you, uh, Mike? No, I didn't, no. Okay, well, he, he I guess, was an instructor of mechanic, 
instructor. So well, he was down in Miami. I was I was at yeah. Kennedy most of most of every, for everything. Right, you okay. weren't in uh, Miami uh, long, though, were you, Mike? Were you, no, I don't think Miami. No, I, I was never in. My only time I went to uh, to Miami was for special training and whatnot for maintenance on the different airplanes, but I was yeah. based at Kennedy. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So, Don, did you ever figure you did you ever work with pay? Uh, pay? Was it? Uh, no. No, the uh, payload. That, she called it payload department. Yeah, but yeah. I, I can I can recall uh, many times when they didn't call it right. You know, they would say, "Well, this flight uh, has." I'm just going to use an example. There's 100 seats on this airplane. Uh, we only fill 92% of it uh, every day. So let's uh, oversell it by 6% or something like that. Yeah. The problem is when they did that, there were certain times of year when everybody showed up. So we had <laughs> yeah. And, you know, handling oversales at the gate is uh, <laughs> it's an interesting job. It's almost well, a slot machine. To get, it's almost yeah. Working in baggage service. <laughs> well, they got to giving away the, the the free trip, free trip if you take the next flight out. Yeah. 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 Well, that's that was the other thing, you know, going on an airplane when it's when it's time to go, to leave, and you've got three or four oversales at the gate, and you've got to run down to the airplane and pick up the PA and say, uh, we have uh, we have folks that uh, have reservations and no seats. Does anyone want to volunteer? <laughs> and uh, uh, I used to use the term, you know, folks, uh, we have some leftovers. Does anyone want to volunteer? <laughs> Usually it worked out pretty good because we were able to uh, give them a free round trip and put them on the next airplane. Yeah, a lot of yeah. airlines didn't have that luxury, but we did. That was uh-huh. that was perfect. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. And you had to wear there your you shirt go. with a target on it, right, Don? What's that? <laughs> you had to wear a shirt with a target on it. Oh yeah. <laughs> you used to tuck your tie in so they wouldn't grab you by yeah. the tie. I've only I've only gotten close to two of those kind of things, and luckily it got resolved. So. You all should have. You all should have a copy of this. If you don't, if you don't already have this, uh, the best of Reaper T, the the book, you should all have that. I guess hopefully you yeah. have. Dorothy, it all. you have a copy of it, don't you, Dorothy? Yes, I do. I do, and thanks to Neil, I got it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, do you have the yeah, tape? The, uh, yeah. Do you have the disc? Yep. I have the book uh, no, and the I, tape myself. I don't have the disc. Yeah. No. Disc. I mean. Oh, you know. Well, I've got a few yeah. of those left over. I'll pull one out and send it to you, Dorothy. Oh, great. Yeah, no, I don't. Because That's wonderful. What Jerry Frost this did is. is he took every issue from the from the first very first newsletter in 1927 all the way through until um, I did the publishing of the uh, Best of Repartee at 30 years. But he continued all the way from that point all the way out to 
what, 40-some years. Because in two more years, it will be 50 years of the association has been uh, around. So they got one or two more years. Great to put in the museum, guys. Uh, I mean, that's a fabulous thing to put in a museum because how many people have all of that? Yeah. Well, he took took a time thing. Yeah. Since my dad made that issue on page 32 there, and he's got that old seniority list from 1942. Oh, yeah, was he? Yeah, he's, he's number uh, 293 on page uh, 32. Oh, okay. I got my book out here. Okay, very good. Yeah, it's we got ours. Yeah. 8, 8, 12, 1941, he was, he was hired. What, what was his number? <laughs> uh, the number was, uh, let's see here, let me put my other glasses. 293. No, I mean his, his seniority number, 293? 293, yeah. Did you yeah. find it, Dorothy? I'm, I'm looking for it now. I know, I noticed, I was reading that list the other day. I saw uh, Art Loft of uh, 1940, I think he started. Uh, I worked with his wife in Fort Lauderdale back in the 80s. Uh-huh. Uh, he's the one that was captain on 401. 401, Bobloff, Bobloff. Yeah, yeah Bobloff, yeah. Where, yeah. Whereabouts on 92, uh, Mike? Well, it's uh, uh, 293, uh, I think I said 293. Oh, uh, it's on page 32. <clears throat> yeah. No, it's in the middle, not, middle not. column there. He's, he was hired... Uh, August 12, 1941. On page 32? Yeah. Yeah. There's a seniority list there with Gene Brown's E.R. Brown, number one, and uh, H.E. Merrill, number two. Dick Merrill. Yep. Yep. Hold on. We got the... Yeah. There it is right there. Yeah. Well, keep that book handy because we're going to be reading some stories out of that book uh, in the next broadcast. Yeah, yeah, I have it right yeah. here. What's his number? 293. 293. Who's above him and who's Scott. below him? Scott. Well, you got Davis Eugene. above him, and uh, I, I kept That's Fred Davis. Powell. That's Fred Eugene Davis. Eugene Doug Powell. Davis. Eugene Doug Davis. Below it. I got the wrong glasses on for this. <laughs> well, that's I just told you. Uh, Eugene Cowell, C-O-W-L-E-S, is the one below it. The one above it is Gene Davis, or J.D. Davis. Yeah, that, I think that's Doug Davis. And your father and, um, was uh, August 12th of 41. Right. 41, okay, very good. Well, I flew a lot of with a lot of those guys on that list, and um, they were really great guys to fly with. They really were. There were a few, couple of guys that uh, everybody had a hard time getting along with them, and um, you just didn't want to even uh, know that when you called in crew scheduling, you'd always have to ask, "Hey, so and so is not on that trip, is he?" and uh, <laughs> And of well, course, you know, we used to bid around those guys that we didn't like. And uh, I hope I nobody bid around me. <laughs> I think you guys had discussed on one of the shows about the uh, do not pair. If you had that, yeah, one yeah, time, yeah. Somebody mentioned yep. that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do not pair, yeah. But now it's done through the computer. I don't know if they can circumvent that now. 
Well, yeah. they're all looking at the layoff list now. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's another thing. Well, uh, we're going to sign off here in just a minute, and uh, our sign-off music is uh, not playing yet in the background, but I'll play it in just a few minutes, and I want to make a couple of announcements. And, Dorothy, if you've got any announcement you'd like to make since you're on the air now, uh, please do so. But uh, well, we'd sure like to have you on the Monday on the Monday show, Monday night show at 7 o'clock. But uh, go ahead, Dorothy. If you've got something. uh, Yep, I can uh, tell them what we have coming up for the next two or three. Uh, We have, of course, our um, deregulation, uh, how does it affect airlines, is on Monday, followed by another Eastern Music Novelty Songs of the Past. That's April 13th. Then we have April 20th, the 10 Most Interesting 2019 Aviation Stories. Um, and we're also coming up in May, we're supposed to have who was inventor naming aviation patent holder. Now, that's going to be very interesting. Yeah, So we have a lot coming up on that. And we do have uh, the website that people can go to see. We have our uh, a member of ours that Neil and Mark and uh, I have been going back and forth with uh, who is um, – stranded in Argentina, and our folks, the Eastern Airlines, the new Eastern Airlines uh, 3.0 is trying to uh, work with them to get them out, and the U.S. Embassy is also doing its part with the Argentinian Air Force, so it's a very interesting read. We have it on the um, website is under testimonials and comments and all the letters that Martina has written in the email requesting help and Eastern Airline to help them is on there and that's a really wonderful thing that we're able to help someone that's yeah. stranded yeah. somewhere and Eastern is really extending themselves doing this so it's it's thankful just read it and you'll love to love to do so yeah. Back to you, Neil. Okay, very good. And I hope they will be on the show too. She has Martina has told me that she would once they get back, uh she would I like to be so on the show. Right. To, to tell right. their and story. Uh, I I Google Earth uh where they are and man, they are at the very tip of South America. I mean, you can right. almost look out and see the Falkland Islands, you know, and well, Antarctica. It's just you a can stone throw away. The, uh, the, the money they had to pay to do this trip for three of them is outstanding. And, oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, we're just hoping that Eastern can somehow or another work with them or the embassy can do something right, right, uh, right. to help them out. And I think that's the only ones that can basically help her at this point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Well. That's about it. So uh, let's put on uh, Merle Haggard with our favorite sign-off music that we use. And, guys, I'll see you next uh, Thursday, I hope. And I'll see yeah, you Monday I night. Okay. Monday night. The gate. We'll be there. Okay. <laughs> Take care. Here yeah. we go with Merle. Thanks, Mike, for the they're taking you away and leaving
fading out of sight Don't leave me, I cry Don't take that airplane ride But you locked me out of your mind And left me standing here behind Silver wings Shining in the sun Somewhere in flight They're taking you away Leaving me lonely Silver wings Slowly fading out of sight Thank you.